What's it like guarding Steph Curry and chasing him all over the court? Davion Mitchell tells us in an exclusive interview right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all postseason long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News, still here in San Francisco. Been here since Wednesday, never went home, of course, covering the Kings and the Golden State Warriors. We all know how Game 3 went. The Kings losing to the Warriors, one, because their shooting is still MIA, uh, and two, because they lost those uh, other statistical battles, right? Things that we went over like uh, offensive rebounds, second chance points, uh, points off of turnovers. It was a rough night for the Sacramento Kings in Game 3. In Game 4, a matinee game tomorrow on Sunday has a chance to be uh, a pivotal game in this series in a lot of ways. I mean, it, it's obvious. I don't need to really explain to you the significant difference between the Sacramento Kings going home up 3-1 versus going home with the series tied 2-2. Two to two. And basically the reset button is pressed. All the advantages that the Kings uh, earned from starting this series off 2-0, uh, those are completely wiped away. And now you have a best of three series against the defending champion Golden State Warriors. There's going to be a lot of buildup uh, still to come here for this game on Sunday uh, and, and an energy in the Golden, or rather in the Chase Center, uh, that should be pretty incredible and, and pretty fun to be able to cover. I, of course, will be at that game. But in the buildup to that game, the Sacramento Kings have had practice over the past couple of days in media availability. I've been at both media availabilities. You're going to hear from uh, different players. You're going to hear from head coach Mike Brown today. You're going to hear from Kevin Herter today. You're going to hear from DeMontis Sabonis today. But mainly, you're going to hear from Davion Mitchell because after Kings practice today inside the Chase Center, I had the opportunity to sit down courtside with Davion and, and have about a seven-minute conversation with him about what it's like guarding Steph Curry, uh, what it's like playing in the in, in intensity of the playoffs, how big of a difference truly home court advantage is uh, in the playoffs. Davion and I uh, speak on all of that and more in this exclusive interview for ABC 10 and the Locked on Kings podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I have a ton uh, to respond to if you want to ask uh, any questions about the interview uh, or just share your thoughts on the things that, that Davion Mitchell had to say. I highly encourage you to do so. But for now, please enjoy and listen closely to one of the best defending guards in the NBA uh, and the guy that has the extremely difficult task of staying in front of and trying to handle the greatest shooter of all time, Steph Curry. Here's my conversation with Davion Mitchell. So first off, Davion, considering, I mean, this is your three games in your first ever NBA uh, playoff experience. Was it what you expected different, a higher intensity, uh, lower level? Like what did you think about NBA playoffs? And now that you've experienced it, is it different from what you thought? Uh, I mean, after watching it for, for years now in, in college and high school, I mean, you can see the intensity in the game and how physical it is like compared to the regular season. So, I mean, it's everything like what I what I was looking for. I mean, I think that's my game, physicality. Uh, the rest kind of let things slide throughout the game, which is which is fun. Uh, makes the game fun. Uh, makes the possessions really harder, so it makes the teams even harder to score. So I think that's the fun, fun thing about uh, playoffs. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember your rookie season last year, you talking about one of your welcome to the NBA moments was guarding Steph Curry. 
considering that's one of your major assignments here in this series, you've had a bunch, a bunch of looks at him now over the last couple of years. How would you say just you've grown or how have you changed in your approach to guarding the best shooter of all time? Um, just not relaxing. Um, I think that um, a lot of people, when you guard, when you guard anybody, you relax after they pass the ball. But he does a really good job, and his team does a really good job of looking for him after he passes the ball. So after he passes the ball, he's still. That's when the game really starts. So you just got to be, you just got to have in mind, like I can't relax throughout playing guarding this dude because he's gonna, he's gonna get off, he's gonna get separation, and he's gonna knock the shot down. So I mean, just just having that mindset of uh, just staying connected to him. Is one easier than the other chasing him, or when he has the ball and just taking him on one on one? I mean, I think the, the hardest part is the off-ball. I mean, off-ball has always been a, a challenge for me. Um, even growing up well, growing up in high school, college, and even in the NBA, it's always been a challenge for me. So, uh, I mean, I think that's the hardest part. What's it like working through the, the, the screens that the Warriors set? I mean, a lot of off-ball screens for him to free him up is a major job of Draymond, but all, all of those guys are out there doing it. Is, do you rely on the communication of your teammates? Is it on you to spot those? Like, how do you work through all those off-ball screens? I mean, I think it's both. I mean, throughout the game, you're going to get cracked. On screens throughout the game, you're gonna get through screens. I mean, it's just a matter of. I mean, it's kind of loud up there, so it's kind of hard to chat a little bit as, as as much as you want to. But I mean, your teammates got to know. Like, I am guarding Stephen Curry, so they just gotta have their antennas up. Like, I gotta be ready to switch out because there's gonna be a lot of screens trying to get him open. Let's talk about your offensive game a little bit because you've shown. I mean, you've had this uh, since your time in college, but you've shown more of a uh, ability to create your own shot and and, and get to uh, use your dribble moves to get to the rim or get to whatever spot on the floor. How much more confident are you in that, or have you had the same confidence level in those dribble moves? Um, I mean, I think the game is just about a rhythm. Um, I'm just getting the rhythm uh, when I come in the game. Um, throughout the game, just getting the rhythm on the floor. Uh, so just staying on the floor, uh, just being confident in my abilities, and then just taking what the team, the, the defense is giving me, really. You've been one of the uh, one of the guys. I think two out of the three games you've hit the first three pointer uh, uh, for this team so far. What is just your viewpoint of the shooting struggles of this group? It just seems so out of character for this group. Um, I mean, kind of Mike kind of touched it on a little bit. I mean, the shots are not the same. The rhythm is not the same. Um, there's a lot of bumps that there we have to get through. Uh, the shots are not as open. Uh, I mean, easy plays that we had in the regular season is not are not going to be that easy because I mean, teams scout that, so they know that what we're trying to get to. I mean, who's going to be open? So the rhythm is not the same. But I mean, if we keep shooting, I mean, I think that we work hard enough that we're eventually going to hit shots. Uh, I don't think that we shouldn't be worried about that. Domas said before game three he didn't want you guys to come in with any confidence or any unnecessary swagger. So I know you guys aren't doing that. But considering how you guys won game one and game two, really off of the backs of your defense when that was a major, at least outside of your guys' gym, a major question mark with this team going into the series, how much confidence that, that, did that give you in this group to win games that way? Um, are you talking about game one and game two? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, <clears throat> I don't know, I think we were excited. Um, especially coming to the playoffs, decided to play. Uh, we had a lot of energy. Um, I mean, we, we was really physical. And I think when game three happened, we kind of relaxed. Uh, we kind of thought that all right, we settled in. We played a couple games, won a couple games. Now we should just relax. But we can't do that with this team, especially this team. Defending champs, uh, they're really good. They've been in situations like this before. So we don't want to give them life. Uh, we don't want them to get a life just to feel comfortable and feel confident throughout the series. We make a big deal about playing the regular season to secure home court advantage. Now that you've experienced home and and away uh, in the playoffs, how big of a difference truly is there? How big of an advantage is it really? Uh, it's, a, it's a huge advantage, uh, especially um, going on runs. Uh, I feel like going on runs when we're in away, it's kind of hard to get get off that get off that run. Um, I mean, just especially cause in the regular season. If you're going to run, it's not as loud, or you can get fouled, or you go to the free throw line, you kind of stop it a little bit. But in the playoffs, it's like they're not really calling that many fouls, so you're not going to get the foul call. So now if you miss a layup, they go on the other end and they score again. So it's just the, the chains are just falling after that. 
When you first came to Sacramento, I know you heard a lot about the fan support in the crowd, but to experience game one and game two, what was that like for you? Man, it was amazing. Uh, I mean, they kind of done it all year, um, so I wasn't really surprised. Uh, but, I mean, D.C. told me in the beginning of the year, though, if y'all make the playoffs, the fan, the fan base is going to go crazy. And, I mean, he said it true. I mean, when we were out there game one, it was loud as I don't know what. I'm glad you brought up D.C. So he's a fan favorite, and he was beloved for his defense here in Sacramento, plus the personality that he brings. I know you've worked really closely with him since he's become an assistant coach. How has uh, he opened up and, and helped your game, and how often do you go to him for just advice and things like that? I mean, I go to him by everything, um, even the, the downs, the down games that I had. <clears throat> just talking to him, just asking him, like, what did he do? What was his mindset after these games? He was just like, he kind of just told me to stay confident. Um, you're going to have bad games. You're going to have good games. Uh, you got to just stay, stay true to yourself, uh, trust your work, and everything will be fine. But as far as defensively, man, you know he's a, he's a dog on that end. So it's just kind of picking things, picking things from his brain, like what did he do off ball because he was really good off the ball. And so I was just asking him, like, what did he do? He said just, just touch him up a little bit, just kind of move him off his rhythm. I mean, I kind of listened to him, and things are kind of working out. Looking forward to game four, how big of a difference is 2-2 versus 3-1? And I know that's kind of a dumb, obvious question, but for a team like the defending champion Golden State Warriors, letting them even the series versus winning a game on the road, Kevin said he thought that you guys had to win a game on the road in order to win this series. Do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Because, um, like I said, you don't want to go give the team life. Uh, they've been in these situations like that before, and when they're confident, it's kind of hard to stop them. I mean, because they've been playing with each other for a long time, so they kind of have that connection where they, they can get easy looks or they can they can really turn the switch on when they want to so you don't, just don't want to give them confidence last thing i have for you davion is uh you working with De'Aaron Fox, the, the battles that you guys have had in practice, but this year we've really seen Mike Brown explore, you and Fox sharing the floor together, you and Monk sharing the floor together, a lot of multiple ball handlers. How much fun is that to play in an offense and play freely with multiple guards that are capable of getting their own shot but also open up things for everybody else? Yeah, I mean, you said it. Uh, when you got guards like that, they can, they can create for themselves and they bring a lot of attention and they get you open sides or you can just kind of just play through that and if they don't help, then they can just get an easy stop in themselves. It's, it kind of makes the game easy for me and easy for the other person, other guard that's on the floor. I mean, just because they can kind of do everything. So, I mean, but I'm just happy to play with those guys, man. They're, they're unselfish. Um, they, they're playing hard throughout every game, and they're just kind of just being themselves. was an absolute pleasure talking with Dave Yon. Appreciate him and the Sacramento Kings being willing to do that. And it's an absolute pleasure to tell you about a great sponsor here of this Locked on Kings podcast. I'm talking about eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure that every single player you have is the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head over to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know which part will fit. If it doesn't fit, you get your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So yesterday, the Sacramento Kings had practice at, I think, the University of San Francisco. That was a closed practice, so we did not get to see anything today. Uh, we did get to watch practice inside of Chase Center. When I say watch practice, basically, we, we show up at the end. So we don't see the X's and O's. We don't see all the specifics of what the Sacramento Kings are working on. Typically, we get the individual work, free throws, shooting drills, uh, things like that 
uh, at the end of practice. And, and a couple of things that caught my attention in practice. Number one, just the vibes and the energy is just really good, really positive, really relaxed. Now it's been this way throughout the entire playoffs. So that that's nothing new, but it doesn't look like the Sacramento Kings are intensely um, intent on making adjustments and making fixes and making changes and, and fixing things. And, Oh God, game three was so bad. We got to change what we're doing. Like it's clear to me, the Sacramento Kings know that the mistakes that they made in game three are fixable. And they know they're capable of making those changes and executing on those changes because a lot of the things that they're focused on working on, in addition, of course, to their three-point shooting, which how much can you really work on that? It's basically trying to get the shots that you want and then just working on hitting those shots. Like you you can't really overemphasize fixing your your three-pointers when as a team uh, you're struggling. But it's the things that, uh, that I mentioned that the Kings did really, really well in games one and games two that they didn't do well in games three, uh, limiting points off of turnovers themselves, getting out in fast break, um, uh, crashing the offensive glass or crashing the defensive glass and keeping guys like Kevon Looney uh, off the offensive glass, limiting second chance points, things like that. The Kings have been successful so far in this series and took a 2-0 lead in this series because they were able to handle those things. So it's not like they needed to take the practice floor today and overemphasize and fix these things and hit film room sessions with an intensity like almost like a panic right and and uh chris biederman actually asked um mike brown a, a couple of times about how much you make tweaks versus how much you like overhaul things uh, in the playoffs during a playoff series when you're trying to correct mistakes and again it was just like from coach brown or from the sacramento kings just a very relaxed like we know what we didn't do well we know how to fix it we know we're capable of doing it. We've already done it in this series before, so we believe we're going to handle business in Game 4. And that's not saying that the Sacramento Kings are brushing things off like, oh, we got this. This is fine. We made one mistake. We tripped up, even though it's the defending champions. Like, we're not too worried about it. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just it's a team that has a confidence in their ability to correct things versus feeling like they have to hit everything super, super hard and be very intense and very intent uh, on fixing everything before game four, if they're going to have any kind of chance. Another thing that stood out to me. Uh, I, I, so at the end of practice, typically we see a bunch of individual work, right? The players uh, all have to hit a certain amount of free throws before they can leave practice and, and call it a day. So they do their free throw drills, and then some players will stick around to do more individual work. DeMontis Sabonis was either the second to last or the last to leave. In fact, he, Trey Lyles, and Kevin Herter were the three guys that I saw on the on the court last. And I think Sabonis was the last one to leave uh, after uh, Lyles and, and Herter. And it's because Demondis Sabonis was really, really working on his mid-range jump shot. That shot that the Golden State Warriors have been more than willing to give to him. You'll notice in all three games, the Warriors are allowing Sabonis to have the ball like top of the key and in the high post and, and from three-point range. And they're backing off saying, if you put the ball on the floor – uh, we'll happily meet you in the paint with a double and triple team like they've been doing, but we dare you to take that shot. Go ahead, take that shot. And Sabonis hasn't necessarily looked comfortable taking that shot so far in this series. Well, he's definitely been working on it in practice today, and it looked really, really good. Uh, yesterday, after uh, a Kings practice in, in the Kings media availability, I asked Kings head coach Mike Brown about that shot uh, and how much confidence he has uh, in Sabonis taking that shot. And uh, Mike Brown says Sabonis 
has the green light to take it whenever he wants. Yeah, no, he's got uh, Sabonis. Is, he's our, all, one of our all-stars. He's, he and Foxy basically had a green light to take any shot that they feel like uh, they need to take. You know, and, and they're predominantly playing off him when he's, you know, we, we run an action called backside. And, uh, and, you know, everybody keeps saying, Mike, you know more about them than you. But, they, I mean, I'm going to die. They know exactly what backside is. They know exactly what we're trying to get out of backside. And that's one of Sabonis and Kevin Herter's favorite plays. And they're really efficient in it. Uh, they were, they've been really efficient in it throughout the course of the year. They're, they're doing a good job defending it. And, um, but when that happens, he's outside the three-point line, so it's he's a little further than, yeah, uh, than right, you know, the short jumper that you're talking about. But still, he, he, he can, you know, he and Foxy have the green light to feel the game and make plays for themselves and others at any time. That's what so those guys do. But we, in the same breath, have to continue trying to put them in position to make it a little bit easier or a little bit more enticing for him to go make a play. My apologies. I said that was my question. Uh, it actually wasn't. It was somebody else's question yesterday. But I did ask a follow-up question today, asking to Domas directly, asking him about the the confidence in that shot uh, after I noticed he was taking it a lot uh, during practice. I'm confident. I put a, enough work in it. You know, I just got to have the confidence to go out there and sh shoot it consistently. You know, um, I'm always trying to get guys open, you know, so I just got to be more aggressive sometimes. Got to be more aggressive sometimes. That's uh, been something that we've we've talked about with Demontis Sabonis over the course of this series, uh, this season. He'll, he'll have games where he's scoring like 18, 19 points, and he's doing it on an, an uber efficient like nine of eleven shooting from the field. And you're almost like Domas, take 15, 16, 17 shots if you're shooting that efficiently. Score like go and, and, and get more buckets, and because nobody can really stop you. Well, to the credit of the Golden State Warriors, he's been taking. 15, 16, 17, uh, even sometimes more than that, shots per game. And the Warriors are doing a really good job limiting uh, how many of those shots he's hitting, especially around the rim with their their defense. If Domas starts taking and hitting these mid-range jumpers consistently, it's going to really, really open up opportunity for him, not just as a scorer, but think about it. Like, if he's on the, the high post, where typically the Sacramento Kings love to run the ball through him, whether it's through dribble handoffs, with which the Warriors have done an excellent job, uh, taking away and, and shutting down all regular season, but not just that, like, uh, or sorry, all this, this series. But in addition to that, like, so Domas gets the ball in that high post at the elbow, top of the key around the free throw line, where he can scan the whole floor, look for cutters and try and hit them, right? That's how the Kings move and, and play off him. If his defender plays back and basically sits, not necessarily in the paint, because that would be a defensive three-second violation, but right on that block, right? Right on the side of the paint where he can watch for those cutters and help on any cutter that might beat his man or, or just be there uh, to help around the rim if necessary. If Domas starts hitting those shots, that man has to come out and not only can Domas Sabonis potentially dribble his way past him and try and get to the rim, but Sabonis instantly has more room to work those passing lanes. So him hitting that shot and establishing that shot early in game four, I think is going to be essential uh, for him opening up uh, his own game and opening up the, the passing lanes and, and the opportunity for the Sacramento Kings offense. Now, I will agree with something that Kevin Herter said in uh, in yesterday's media availability. Kevin says the, the team, too, and even Mike said it at the end of the sound clip that I played for you earlier, the Kings as a whole need to do a better job of putting Sabonis in a better position so that they're not just leaving him on an island to where – 
he, uh, he has to make a decision and his his uh, man can back off of him completely and just kind of put him in this no man's land where he has to make the choice. One of the pillars of Mike Brown's offense, and Mike Brown has talked about this all regular season long, is making decisions in 0.5 seconds, half a second basically. Make a decision, move the ball, shoot, dribble, do something, but make that decision in 0.5 seconds. When Sabonis is getting the ball with all this room on the perimeter, he's holding it for sometimes two, three seconds trying to figure out where to go, and it brings the Kings' offense to a screeching halt. Also, if DeMontis Sabonis decides to go in the post, two, three, four dribbles, a lot of times it's resulting in turnovers or a tough shot. Again, the Kings' offensive flow is coming to a screeching halt. This is something that I think they really need to work on trying to execute better that has nothing to do with their three-point shooting, something they can do to add that more fluidity and pace and flow to their offense that they haven't really had at any point. Uh, during this um, series. Kevin Herter uh, was available for Kings Media Availability yesterday, and, and he gave this really good quote at the end of his media availability where he was talking about, and I referenced this in my interview with Davion Mitchell, you might have caught it, but he talks about the importance of winning a game at the Chase Center and winning a game on the road for both teams in order to win this series. Yeah. You know, for them to win this series, they got to go in our building and win a game. And we feel like for us to win this series, we got to obviously go in their building and win a game. And uh, you know, two-two looks different than three-one. And um, you know, for us to go home and have the chance to close it out versus you know, going home trying to extend the series is a lot different. And so hopefully we come with the right mindset, and desperation that they played with in Game Three. So, like I said at the beginning of the show, like I don't need to explain to you why being up three-one versus two-two uh, is essential. I thought it was interesting that. Kevin, even though the Kings have home court advantage, Kevin is essentially saying, like, we feel that we need to win a game on the road in order to win the series. I think Kevin knows that if the Kings get into a position where they go home for game five with the series tied two games apiece, sure, they'll have home court advantage where they haven't lost yet in the playoffs so far. But the longer this series goes and the more opportunities you give the Warriors to beat you on the home floor, your home floor, the higher the likelihood almost is that they they figure out a way to do it. Like, think back to game one and game two. Yes, the Kings won. It doesn't matter how the Kings won. But in both those games, the 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 Kings' margin of victory wasn't very large. Now, the Kings, I thought, I, I wouldn't say dominated game two, but they were in control for basically that entire game. Like, it was just a really, really good performance in game two. But in game one, they were down by 10 points two separate times, had to come back and ultimately win that game because their offense caught fire at the right time. Meanwhile, you look at game three, the Golden State Warriors were able to win by a pretty comfortable margin and, and for the most part, dominate that game against the Sacramento Kings and do that on their home floor. The Kings haven't done that at home against the Warriors at any point during this series. So if the Kings end up going home for game five, two to two, yeah, the expectation will probably be that they they win that game five. I have no idea if they would be the betting favorite or not, but the expectation, at least here in Sacramento, is you've won at home. The home team hasn't lost yet. Sacramento, you have to keep that trend going. If they don't, then suddenly they're in a, a position where they have to be terrified that they're going to blow a, a 2-0 lead and lose the next four straight games, and suddenly they're out of the playoffs. The defending champion Golden State Warriors should be expected to be able to win one of these road games no matter how bad they've been on the road. So if this series goes to seven games, which I initially predicted, I feel that might work more in the favor of the Golden State Warriors than it does in the favor of the Sacramento Kings, especially considering the Kings started the series up to nothing. Now, if the Kings find a way to win tomorrow's game, 
and they have a very good chance to, even with Draymond Green back and more than likely Gary Payton the second back. If the Kings win tomorrow and go home up 3-1, the expectation should be, okay, put the series to bed, end it uh, in game five in front of your home crowd. So game four is not a must win for the Sacramento Kings by any means, but it has massive implications for how the rest of the series can go and the kind of momentum that the Golden State Warriors have uh, back on their side. And you don't want to get give Steph Curry and the defending champion Golden State Warriors momentum uh, when you did such a good job of taking it on and taking it yourself early. Uh, finally, here's uh, the last soundbite that I'm going to play from you. This was from practice today. I asked head coach Mike Brown, what what have the Kings done or do the Kings have to do to show that as a first-time playoff team, they belong on this stage, right? They belong in the playoffs. And, and Mike Brown said there are two things. For us is to do what you do best. And for us, that's uh, bringing a level of physicality to the game on both sides of the ball. You know, if we get held, we got to run through the grabs, you know, because uh, at the end of the day, you know, even after game three, you go back, you watch the tape. So the, the officials did a fantastic job. You know, they're letting both teams play. And that's all you can ask for in a situation like this at this time of the year. So our level of physicality has to be there. Uh, and our level of pace has to be there, not just in the full court and the half court. And if we're doing that, because sometimes, you know, stuff just doesn't happen. You know, but if you're doing those uh, two things while trying to win the possession game, at the end of the day, you live with the results. So how are you feeling about the Sacramento Kings chances going into game four? Are you still confident or are you wavering a little bit based off of what happened in game three, a matinee game, a road game? Where are you at? Let me know how you're feeling for game four. I really like the Sacramento Kings chances. The Warriors will be the favorites in the game. They should be the favorites. I actually haven't checked the line yet, uh, but they will be the favorites in the game. But I like the Sacramento Kings ability to bounce back. I think you're going to see a renewed focus for the Kings in areas that they they struggled with uh, the the offensive or, or the two, second chance opportunities, too many points uh, and opportunities given up to the Golden State Warriors on second chance, too many offensive rebounds, doing a better job protecting the basketball, doing a better job limiting uh, fast break and second or uh, uh, points off turnovers opportunities for the Golden State Warriors. These are things that the Kings know that they can control no matter if their shot is falling or not. So I highly expect uh, to see a revitalized, renewed energy uh, in some of those categories. Maybe the Kings won't win all those categories like they did in games one and games two. If they did, I like their chances of winning regardless of how their shooting is, but maybe they win a couple of them. It's harder to win some of those kind of hustle energy categories on the road uh, than it is at home. So Maybe the Kings do a better job of simply like limiting uh, second chance points and limiting offensive rebounds for Kevon Looney. Uh, it could be a in itself a massive difference maker. Like maybe the Kings lose the all, all the other categories that we talked about, but they do a good job of limiting second chance opportunities. That might be enough for them to be in a position to win this game. I do expect at some point, Law of Averages says the Sacramento Kings shooting is going to be better, right? At some point, these shots are going to fall. So why not an afternoon game, 12.30, game four inside Chase Center. Why not that be the time where three-pointers start falling? I would love to see the Kings offense establish themselves and establish their flow early. If they do that, I like their chances of winning game four. I'm feeling pretty good. How you feeling? How'd you feel about the Davion Mitchell interview? Any of the things that you heard Kevin uh, Herter or Mike Brown or DeMontis Sabonis or anybody say? What are your keys uh, to game four for the Sacramento Kings? Let me know. You can reach me on Twitter at Matt George Sack. You can email me, mattgeorgesports at gmail.com, or you can leave your thoughts in the YouTube comments section 
down below. Appreciate your support as always. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings post game after game four. If you're coming to Chase Center, make sure you send me a message. We'd love to bump into you uh, and say hi, even in hostile territory. Should be a lot of fun. Should be great energy. Can't wait for it. And can't wait to have you join me next time. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Thank you.